When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fear of the Fincast. I'm Jacob Suntra, the managing editor at fearofthefin.com with Marcus White. Uh, Marcus, that was, uh, that was a pretty good hockey game last night. That was probably the, the best game this season, not just in terms of the way the, the Sharks played, but just in terms from a, a neutral entertainment value standpoint that was uh was a lot of fun that was a good game i could go for watching a few of those games in june this year yeah caps sharks would be a pretty awesome Stanley cup final matchup uh, i think you know the cap caps games are always fun sharks did a good job last night surprising they they kept uh they kept washington off the score sheet on the power play that was probably the most surprising thing and the power play success they had uh last night although you know those those things it always it always seems to happen that way. Yeah, what was more surprising that the Sharks scored twice on the power play, or that the Sharks were able to keep the uh, Capitals' power play off the scoreboard? I, I'd say probably the power play success. We hadn't really seen we hadn't seen the power play look like that in a long time. I mean, they looked like I'd say they they, they looked like the power play of old, moving the puck around. Um, uh, you know, I pre-game, I think uh, Kerr's quoted Joe Pavelski and them saying they needed to to work harder um, on the power play and outwork opponents, you know, as nebulous as that may be for us to notice. Uh, I think I think it, I don't want to say, oh, their effort level looked better, but I think some guys had a little more uh, jump in their step last night, uh, given that they hadn't played since Monday. I think Thornton, that was arguably the best he's looked all season. Um in terms of speed, he he did not look a step slow. Um, he looked like Joe of last year, which is hopefully a good sign down the stretch. I mean, the Sharks have some uh, more schedule congestion coming up uh, here uh, down the stretch, but you know, it, it just goes to show that uh, what a rested uh, Joe Thornton can do because I I thought he played awesome last night. Yeah, I think a big thing, uh, and and again, I know that this is something that's been talked about in the past, and this is something that was definitely a thing for some of those uh, Blackhawk teams near the end of their little dynasty, was that uh, some of those guys uh, definitely took it a little bit easy down the stretch during the regular season because they knew what they had to do to save up the, save up the juice for the playoffs. And I've always been skeptical of that because uh, it's something that we can't really go uh, – not just that we can't quantify, but we can't really know because well, we're uh-huh. not in their heads. But uh, it's something that's always been in the back of my mind, especially you know you look at the NBA and you look at what the Spurs do with uh, you know just just resting guys and benching guys for games. It's something you have to always think about. But I think as it relates to the power play, you know uh, the the second goal that they scored, you know that's a, a play where Brent Burns takes a shot right off a faceoff and then rushes in to go get his own rebound. I think that's something that. Maybe you don't see in a game against the Jets in February, right. um, but you see in a game against the Capitals where guys are a little bit more motivated to get to get the job done. Um, Logan Couture played out of his mind, but that's not unusual because Logan Couture right. is a very competitive guy that wants to go get that kind of stuff done all the time, always anyway. And I think even Brett Burns is a guy that does that all the time anyway, whereas Joe Thornton's a little bit cagier and a little bit more work, work smarter, not harder kind of a guy. Uh-huh. You know. Um, yeah, I think uh, 
I don't think that this changes that the power play still has a lot of work to do and they still have a lot of things that they need to fix because I think even before they scored um, a, a few times or twice, you know, I know they, they scored with the power play expiring also. Um, so it really probably should have been three power play goals. Um, it still didn't look very good in long stretches. I still think that there's, there's stuff that needs to change. Yeah. Um, but I also don't think the penalty kill is very good. And they're very lucky to, to escape without giving up, giving up anything. Uh, Certainly and, got some uh, help from the goalpost last night. They did. Uh, they also got some help. Uh, there were, uh, what, two, three times where the puck just fluttered over the crossbar, which I thought was interesting. Um, that seemed to happen a lot last night. Uh, they should probably also not make a habit of, uh, you know, making a parade to the penalty box against teams like the Capitals. That that seems yeah, like a bad thing to do. Um, Joe Pavelski in particular has had a real – a real bad habit of going to the box lately. This is his uh, second most penalty-riddled campaign of his career. Uh, 2008-9, I believe, is the only season where he's taken more penalties. And I'm hoping that's not a sign of uh, of things to come because that's you know usually a, a sign of decline uh, in players when they start taking more penalties. You know, it could be nothing, but it's certainly in the past you know five, ten games he's taken. Uh, taking more mar- marches to the to the penalty box, and that would be concerning. But the good news is that last night, Logan Couture was incredible, Brett Burns was incredible, and Martin Jones was very good, and that's all good news for the Sharks, obviously. With 16 games left in the season, he has he is four penalty minutes away from tying his second most mark, second highest mark of his career, five minutes from passing it. He's, he's 19 minutes away from passing his career high in penalty minutes, which you're correct. He did set in 08, 09. He had 40, he took 46 uh, penalty penalty minutes in that year. And if you look at, uh, if you scroll down on the old hockey reference to the NHL miscellaneous category, they'll have it sorted by penalty minutes per game. He's at 0.42 right now. His highest is 0.58. So he's not going not gonna to eclipse that. The right. 0.58 is, that, that is a lot. That was a busy year. I don't know if he got yes. gotten fights that year or what the deal was. That, that uh, yeah, I, can't, I don't remember him being a big, like a guy who was penalized a lot. That was the year they won the President's Trophy. I, I can't yeah. say that sticks out from that year. Yeah. I, I, I really like to go back like through the game log to try to figure out if there was like, you know, a game or two where he took a bunch and there was like, you right. know, maybe some like, uh, like, I don't know, a game misconduct or something that like really uh-huh. jacked up his penalty minutes. But yeah, right. So I'm assuming that year is an outlier and this year is more, uh, you know, just regular, you know, you're yeah. taking some penalties. Um, and even I this year, it's like not – though. He's at, you know, like I said, he's at his minutes from the previous few years. So that's potentially a sign of decline. Could also be uh, a uh, – Could just be a coincidence. Could, yeah, could, could also just be a, a sign of bad luck, a sign of officials noticing a, a little more uh, going mm. on. The officiating uh, last night uh, was uh, mm, not great. little odd, was, uh, yeah, the – I wouldn't Classic say necessarily bad. that like the Sharks got the worst end of officiating because I feel like uh, no, you know, and they got bad, bad calls. Um, they could have been called for something else, but the offici- <laughs> they were not good calls either. Weird. It was a weird night. Yeah, I think it was very, very odd. Uh, the the hook on Mark Edward Vlasic was one of the odd- – maybe there's a slight pull there, but, I mean, if you're telling him that's a hook – what else can a defenseman do there? Like he lifted, he lifted the stick. He did everything you're taught to do, everything that's legal, uh, you know, 
So I, I thought that was I thought that was kind of funny that um, I thought that, yeah, I thought that was, Brent Burns has his hands all over Alexander Ovechkin and that, right. that like if you're gonna like okay if we're, if we're gonna call something in that situation yeah. I mean I think that's probably what we're gonna call yeah agreed meanwhile did TJ Oshie draw like every single penalty I, I think he drew almost every penalty He'd like it uh, so I guess that's that's his uh, that's his value. He's a he's a he's a he's a better player than I give him credit for. I I do think he's he's definitely overrated from Sochi. Uh, that you know, I mean, that was a big moment, but they didn't. I mean, they didn't win a medal, so like. You know. I think he has worked his way from being um, extremely overrated to now actually being underrated. So yeah, I think he's no, going to probably. work his way back to being properly rated. He's, at he's some probably point, yeah. honestly he's probably in that rate. I mean, he's a he's a very good fit uh, with Ovechkin and Backstrom on that that Capitals top line. Um, I mean, their their depth is crazy, man. Like, I was the fact of getting Kuznetsov is on their second power play. <laughs> like, and Vlasic said that before the game. He was, you know, he's like, well, you know, Kuznetsov's their second, their second line center. He's one of the best players in the NHL. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting uh, to see uh, if this is a matchup uh, in June. I'd love to see it. I think the teams are evenly matched. I think it'd be a uh, has the potential for an all being an all time great series. Uh, I think the Sharks too very fortunate. You know, four goals, twenty four shots. That does not happen often to Braden Holtby. And I think you, you know, ask two of them on the power play. You, you know, you take that and run. No matter how you win the game. Uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to look at the possession numbers from last night, but uh, you know, if they got out possessed, I'm sure they're not stressing it too much. Because if you can put up four goals on Braden Holtby, you're yeah, you you should probably keep the pucks because that's not going to happen very often. Yeah, well, the Sharks scored four goals last night. They scored three goals in their other meeting. That's uh, seven total goals on Braden Holtby. That's the season you, you you take it. The the Sharks at even strength were a little bit worse in Fenwick and a little bit better in Corsi. Okay, um, so it's an even game. And that's what it's going to be against a team that's that's this good in possession, like the Capitals. Um, I thought that the Sharks came out playing playing okay. Uh, they, uh, I thought they played a very good second period. Then by the third period, they really took the game over. Um, I just thought that they were able to kind of to gas the gas the Capitals. Yeah, um, I think that's what they should be able to do on home ice. I thought that something that was really what I liked uh, was uh, that I thought Pete DeBoer did a pretty good job line matching. Um, and by line matching, usually with Pete DeBoer, just means. Uh, uh, putting putting Vlasic out there against the top line, I think he did did a pretty good job job of that. I think he recognized pretty early that the fourth line was very very badly overmatched, um, and nice. I think that he did a pretty good job mitigating that to the best of his ability. Um, the The fourth line has done a really good job this season against almost every fourth line in the NHL, and this is going to be one of two, maybe three right. fourth lines that they cannot cannot dance with. Um, you know, this is a fourth line that's got what? It's got uh, Jay Beagle, Daniel Winnick, and uh, and Tom Wilson. And listen, right. Tom Wilson's not a not a good NHL player, and he's still much better than than Michael Haley is. Right. Um, and and that showed. I mean, they just they just ate them ate them for lunch. It was not not close. Um, you know, the fourth line was by far the worst uh, for the Sharks. Was the worst line on the ice. Um, yeah. And not just in terms of possession numbers. You could just tell. I mean, they just looked looked lost out there. Um, Winnick was able to, to slice them up. He scored a goal. 
I scored the first goal of the game and they just, just the fourth line looked lost. Um, and I think we talked about it a little bit, uh, you know, uh, say what you will about Michael Haley being in the lineup. You really can't put Haley and Ward on the same line and expect no. those two players stylistically to mesh. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they are. A, they're a good fit together. And I think that that bore out last night. It seemed like there might have been some some mixing up of the third and fourth lines, uh, especially towards the end of the game last night. I, I couldn't really tell. Um, I could be speaking completely out of turn. Um, you know, that's what's gonna. You know, but that's and that's the worrisome. That's what's gonna happen against a team. You know, against a team like Washington, against a team like Pittsburgh. It'll be interesting to see how. DeBoer responds tomorrow against Nashville. They, you know, they're another very deep team. They just acquired PA Parento. They're even deeper. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he he matches makes it up that fourth line uh, tomorrow night. I think you know. I think he, look, you can you can have Michael Haley in the lineup for sure, uh, but he just he he's not a good fit with Joel Ward. I mean, you you you've seen him the players you've seen him mesh with. Uh, you know, maybe this isn't fair because it's a limited sample size and some of those players are very skilled. But, you know, I remember when he played with Ryan Carpenter and Kevin LeBanc and they were a very, very good fourth line together. You know, like, yep. I think he, you know, yes, Ward and him and Tierney can play that cycle game down low. But I, like I said, I think I think Ward and Haley just play too similar of a role in that. I think, you know, I think there's a reason Carlson has kind of locked that spot, had locked that spot on the fourth line because he's really good there. And like, he's just, he, he's a player that can play with pretty much anybody. Um, and I, you know, I Ward, I would have had Ward and Donskoy on hurdles line last night. Cause Ward and Donskoy played with, you know, they played with Marlowe in the playoffs last year. And that, that line was so good uh, for the sharks. So, um, or they, excuse me, they played with Couture uh, in the playoffs last year at one point. Um, and they, you know, they were such a good pairing to get, they were such a good, uh, wing pair together and they just, you know, they fit stylistically, they play different games. Um, so I, I think I would, I would have made that mix up, but you know, he's, he's got a little, the good thing about this stretch run and where the sharks are is DeBoer has some time to experiment with lineups. Yes. You want to find your consistent, you know, um, your quote unquote consistent, you know, best team, I think probably down the stretch, but Still 17 games to go. I think he definitely has a little room for uh, experimentation and, and trying new things out and trying different combinations out and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And I, you know, you're going to have, you're going to probably be faced with injuries. You're going to be faced with some unexpected circumstances in the playoffs. So I think this is a matter of him seeing, you know, seeing against a cap, a very good team like the Capitals. Can we trust a fourth line like this? The answer is no after last night, but, you know, as long as they learn that lesson, they won the game. And even if they didn't win the game, as long as they learn, you know, and that can help them down the stretch, I think, you know, it's mission accomplished in that regard. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that it uh, puts too much pressure on Chris Tierney to, to do too much. And I think yes. that's a similar lesson to what we learned from Brendan Dillon in the playoffs last year. So you can't put too much pressure on your puck mover to, uh, to, to do all of the heavy lifting. Um, I think once you get the puck into the offensive zone, that line works. It can right. work anyway. But I think you even saw after the first period last night, you know, looking at the possession numbers, every all of their zone starts came in in the offensive zone, and they still were like you know a minus seven in uh, in in shot attempts. Uh -huh. Like, listen, it's not working. 
And uh, they they didn't really make any adjustments. I know there was that like one shift where Donskoy skated on the fourth line because he had right. been the best possession player on the of the night, um, and that was it. That, that that was the only the only time that that happened. Um, I think that you know Marcus Sorensen didn't play because he played so poorly against the Jets on Monday because he did he played terribly. Um, uh-huh. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in the lineup uh, tomorrow because I think that they like him and I think that they want to try to try to make him a thing. Um, and the, I think they want to try to make him a thing in the playoffs. That's that's just a hunch on my part. That's just speculation. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I I think if rubber hits the road and it turns out that he's not a guy, I'm curious to see what they what they decide to do in that route because I don't think that uh, I don't really think that Haley is going to be an, a, a long term solution for them when it comes to playing against really good fourth lines deeper into the playoffs. That being said, if they if they don't feel confident in Sorensen, I don't know if they're going to be willing to go back and 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 call up somebody like LeBanc or Meyer either. I, you know, I'd like to think that they will, but I'm not necessarily confident that they will either. Right. So. Yeah, especially you know, especially if the Barracuda are on a deep run and they feel you know, you know, and there's there's certainly a, a, I think you can definitely question the merits of it. But if the Barracuda are in a deep playoff run and they figure okay, you know, they'll be playing 12 minutes a night with the Sharks, or they'll be playing you know 20, 21 with the Barracuda in the playoffs. I still think the probably the NHL playoff experience would be more valuable for them. And I do think, you know, we've, we've seen the sharks more so under McClellan, not as much last year, I think because the, the, the team was so solid, but we've definitely seen the sharks in previous years tap into those quote unquote black aces and, and really use their minor league pipeline uh, in the playoffs. You know, some, some guys basically making their, their NHL debut in a playoff game. Um, you know, and you won't have to do that with LeBanc and Meyer. Uh, I think there's a good chance we see them come up uh, just, you know, just to have the depth. And I think, you know, I think, you know, say what you will about Meyer's readiness or LeBanc's readiness. I think either of them could play on a fourth line with Chris Tierney and Melka Carlson and have success, uh, especially again, you know, especially against these better teams. You might not, you know, you might not need them in round one. Um it would certainly help against a team like Calgary who's surging and on paper at least doesn't really have the depth to compete with the Sharks if the Sharks, you know, optimize the lineup. But they'll absolutely need to consider that option if they move to round two and then to round three and then potentially the Stanley Cup final. Yep, absolutely. Uh, looking forward, the Sharks play the, uh, the Nashville Predators tomorrow. Uh, the Predators just uh, – uh, lost to uh, lost to the what the, the Kings yesterday. Um, it's a that's a it's an interesting team because it's a team that I think uh you know has kind of taken its sweet time to to get its shit together, uh, but it's still a very dangerous team at least from a roster construction standpoint. Obviously, the addition of PK Subban makes them a better team um, than the what they were last year. You know, that's uh, just an obvious upgrade going from from Weber to Subban. I think that that. You know, any Sharks fan that watched that series last year knows that. Um, I think that it's still a team though, with with obvious flaws, uh, goaltending being the biggest one right now. Uh, and I still think that, you know, despite the fact that they're a better team roster-wise this year, it's still a team that is still trying to figure out its identity. And I think that's something that the Sharks can exploit. Uh, it's still a scary team because it's a team that is just – you just get the sense that they are just moments away from turning into a monster. 
Um, what is it about this team that that you know scares you the most about a, being a potential playoff team? Man, I, I, think, I think you know they were hot up until recently. They've lost four games in a row now. Uh, they did pick up. You know, they lost in a shootout to Anaheim. They lost in overtime to the Kings last night. Um, you definitely there's definitely a, a sense like a sleeping giant sense just because of what we saw last year. And you you know you think with Subban back. Um, you know that that's certainly scary. It seems like they've they've kind of figured it out in terms of Corsi. They're now a they're now eleventh in in Corsi, tenth in Fenwick. Not as that's not at the heights that they reached last year, but considering how bad they were of a possession team to start the season, uh, that's pretty impressive. They cl- they've climbed their way back up into the top third of the league. Um, yeah, I th- I feel like they're definitely a sleeping giant. I think the biggest fear right now is how well Philip Forsberg's playing. Um, and how great he's been over the past month or so. He's really turned it on after a slow start, and um, you know he has the. I think he has the potential to be a, a top twenty or so player in the league, and he's shown that in previous years. You know, imagine if the Caps had not given him up for Martin Erat, and they still had him on that team. Um, a little absurd, uh, but yeah, I think Forsberg is probably the scariest thing, and because of how well he's playing right now. Uh, I'm not sure if Parento's joined the, the Predators yet. I don't think he has. I still think he's recovering from injury, but that's going to that's gonna help their depth. Um, you know, this is on paper, like you said, a better team than when the Sharks played them last year. Results haven't borne that out yet, but, you know, you just need to get into the postseason. Uh, I think they're, they're a dangerous team. Fortunately, it looks like with where they're seated, you know, barring a miraculous push from the St. Louis Blues, uh, the Sharks probably won't see them if they do play them in the playoffs until the Western Conference Finals, which, you know, that's a team I do not want to see at any point, let alone the Western Conference Finals if I'm the Sharks. But yeah, I think I think Forsberg coming on is is a is a scary proposition. Um and also, you know, playing against PK Subban after he did an interview with Bill Simmons, that's always a that's always a concern. <laughs> oh hey, I wanted to hit you with uh one piece of trivia from last night's game. Uh if you had to guess, uh, okay, let's first. Uh, who do you think had the most minutes for the Sharks last night overall? We'll start with an easy one. Brent Burns. Okay, uh, most even strength minutes for the Sharks last night. Mark Edward Vlasic. Brendan Dillon. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I did. He had a good uh, game last night, I thought. I thought he played well, too. He got a lot of tough assignments last night. I think he got uh, – because the – Pete DeBoer, you know, I talked about they. I talked about it with you. I actually don't think I talked about it in the podcast. Part of what Pete DeBoer did to shield the fourth line was start the first pairing a little bit early to put him out. And he's done this before. We'll put him out with the fourth line, right? Um, which I actually really like because it allows um, the fourth line to play a little bit more offensively. And this is something that people don't talk about when they're like, "Wow, look at how great offensively the fourth line is playing." It's like, yeah, no shit. That's because they have this shield, which is Brent Burns and. Uh, and uh, Paul Martin behind him. It's called a security blanket, kids, and it's uh-huh. really fun to play with. Anyway, he'll do this. And anyway, I think that that put a little bit more pressure on uh, uh, Brendan Dillon and Dylan DeMello to uh, you know to play a little bit more heavier minutes. So anyway, I thought that was uh, something notable that uh, they played pretty heavy minutes last night. I think they ended up being a minus in the uh, you know in possession, uh, very uh-huh. very slightly. But uh, yeah, they played heavy minutes last night. So I think that was kind of cool to see. Dylan DeMello's uh, value is going up. Precipitously uh, this year, 
Uh, yeah. Too bad that he's been hurt and or healthy scratch through no fault of his own. But uh, this little stretch has definitely helped a little bit, I would think. It's been oh, a weird year for Dylan DeMello. Yeah, you know, he's out for – out. it's just been, it's been a weird year of the Sharks' blue eye. They lose one defenseman, and then once they get a defenseman back, it's like, oh, another defenseman gets hurt. They've really had to deal with – I think that's probably the place where they've dealt with the most injuries. Um is on the blue line but you know this is the year to do it because this is the deepest they've been in a long time i mean you know tim heed's their seventh defenseman right now for cry he could he could slide in to be a lot of teams sixth let alone fifth defenseman uh at this point in his career so you know it's yeah i wonder if Demello's, you know turning some heads in george mcphee's front office in las vegas and if he's uh if he's a player the golden knights are going to take a look at um and, you know, potentially uh, claim. They already have a deal worked out for one player. They've, they've, they've said that. They can't announce it because he's currently playing for the team um, and the trade deadline's passed, but they do have a trade. Oh, no, that was a goalie. Never mind. They have a trade worked out for a goalie. Uh, and Dylan DeMello, as far as I know, will not be putting on the goalie pads anytime soon. Yeah, could that's it, my not even, hey, listen, it, it could position. happen. <laughs> uh, maybe he's looking for, uh, for a position switch so he'll get to play more. Uh, Speaking of goalies, when do we see Aaron Dell next, do you think? Uh, Dallas on a Sunday. He'll play the yeah. worst team in the back-to-back. I agree. Nailed it. Uh, what do you think, chance that he plays against Buffalo also on Tuesday? Will he play in back-to-back games? I think there's a uh, chance. I think he should. Uh, now that the trade deadline's passed, I think, I think DeBoer, uh, you know, he played, he played Dell against Winnipeg. Uh, when else did Dell start? I'm pulling up his game log. Right now. I think that there's a pretty good chance that he starts playing, that he plays in, you know, a, a pretty good handful of games down the stretch here. Well, I, mean, I, think, I think seeing how well Jones has played since coming back from the bye week, since having that rest, I think that's as, as big of an indicator. Um, I wasn't necessarily expecting Dell to play that game against Vancouver at home. Uh, that's typically a game I would expect Jones to start. So I think there's a good chance that Dell starts against Dallas and then starts against Buffalo. Um yeah. Well, Seems like the more genuinely wants to ease the workload of right. Martin Jones. So, um, and plus, again, you know, seeing how well he's played since the bye week, uh, you know, coming into the game last night, his save percentage was like a nine five two in three games after the bye week. Not sustainable, but like, That's you know, this is a this has been a very good. This has been a very good four games, and even five dating back to the first game before the bye week against his old club, the Boston Bruins. His his old teammates for all of five minutes. Absolutely. Uh, lots he, he of showed rivalry. them. Yeah, lots of natural rivalry there. Pa- pass uh, on me. <laughs> I, I think there's a good chance. Uh, I wouldn't put it at 100%, but I'd put it at like 55% that Dell starts two games. My guess is that uh, Dell starts against Dallas and Buffalo. Jones gets St. Louis and Anaheim. Dell gets Dallas. It just uh, makes sense, right? And Yeah, then Dell gets Dallas again and Dallas again. Uh, right. Jones gets Minnesota and Nashville, and uh, Jones gets the Rangers, and then uh, Dell gets Calgary, and and Jones yeah. gets uh, the Oilers, and then Dell gets put into some kind of a chamber or something, and right seen again, and that's it. Yeah, he's in he's in Darth Vader's uh, back to tank. Yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of like well, I think actually at the last day of the season, there's kind of like a team meeting and. Uh, and Pete's, you know, it's like, all right, everybody. And uh, last thing, uh, Aaron, hey, yeah, the Dello, you want to come up here? All right, I have something for you. And uh, he reaches behind and he takes out this uh, uh, this really, really nice wrapped gift. 
and he unwraps it and it's a brand new baseball hat. He says, listen, you're never <laughs> taking this shit off again. <laughs> and and Del we'll puts on the baseball hat. gets hurt. Right, exactly. Actually, you're just going to go in with the baseball hat on. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Get used to on this top kid. Of the mask. This yeah, exactly. Or under, or on, you, you swing it around backwards. Swing it around backwards. Yeah, that would actually be a pretty baller move. Uh, yeah, okay. maybe you could wear it on top, kind of like uh, in the Winter Classic when they put the beanies like on. When top they put the toque over. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, I'm excited to see Dallas this weekend game. too. I don't think we've seen them this year. We have not. We're seeing them three um, times over the. And they're, they're an odd team this year. Uh, a lot worse than people expected. Their goaltending's been a lot better at even strength than expected. Uh, it's been as terrible on the penalty kill as expected. The penalty um, kill in Dallas is as bad. Uh, it's the worst penalty kill in the modern era. It literally is, I think, I believe, uh, in uh, doing a little bit of research on this because uh, I still uh, fight for anti Niemi in, uh, in death. You're an anti Niemi stan. Anti Niemi. Yes, anti Niemi. <laughs> Yeah, um, intrigue. I mean, they're and even though they're probably not going to make the playoffs, they're still. Like, what do you mean, probably? Any, they're sweetie. Yeah, they're, dead. They're, they're not. But anytime let them, you let face, them die. <laughs> anytime you face a team with Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben, you you definitely still have to be worried. Jamie um, Ben's why they're not making the playoffs. And Jamie Ben's been terrible. Has he? Yes. I mean, in in what metric? I haven't followed the stars, so oh, I, I mean, there's a t- I, all I know is that Jamie Ben got played on like their third or fourth line for a while this year. Okay, because I I checked the scoring rates yesterday, and he he'd risen up in the. Oh, in the I just know that some at some point during like midway through the year, it was like Jamie Ben demoted to like stars fourth line, and I was like, what the put him down? And he was going down. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That. That apparently was like a, a thing that happened. I, I have no idea. Again, since we never played them this year, hadn't played them this year. It's so I didn't odd. The schedule is – they play the Predators twice in 16 days. Then they play the Stars three times. I mean, I maybe know. it's the condensed schedule. So yeah. Tyler Sagan's eighth in the league in points. Jamie Benn's 11th at 63. Okay. So uh, who knows? The only, well, he must have really gone on a tear there, huh? The only, team, the only team with two players higher than them is Pittsburgh because Crosby's second in the league in points. And Malkin is fourth. They've played 59 and 58 games, respectively, and they each have 70 points. Wow, he sucks, huh? Yeah, definitely man. not a top 100 player. No, man. I, I think he's probably he turned, it on, turned it on since then. He's got as many points uh, as a yeah, well, player Patrick Kane in eight less games. Hey, listen, all you need to do to motivate a Russian is tell him he sucks. Yeah. And generally speaking, is very- I, and I want I, I, I'm looking at these points and I'm like. Are Crosby and Malkin going to split the MVP vote on their own team? Because I think they both have a pretty good case. Um, um, but yeah, I, I'd imagine Crosby, he's going to be the heart, heart nominee from that team. But I think Malkin will get some votes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think that, um, yeah, absolutely. Malkin doesn't do enough other stuff. Uh, Crosby is too good an all-around player. Malkin uh, plays in like every situation, though, doesn't he? Doesn't he play a little penalty kill? Uh, a little bit. Malkin also does a lot of dumb shit that hurts the team. That's true. He doesn't. God, hey, man, 1.21 points per game. That's that's pretty good. I'll, I'll, yeah, check, check out I'll, his penalty minutes sometime, all right? Uh, Malkin's an idiot. So, I'll take I'll take the idiocy with that score. I, I'm not saying you won't, but Crosby doesn't ever do any of that stuff. Right. So if you can right. take it with you could take the take it without the calories, you'll take it, right. is all I'm saying. Right. It's 
it's full Coca-Cola flavor without any yeah. of the calories. Mark is the trip to Krispy Kreme. Crosby's the, you know, Crosby's the, 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 pro, the high protein, healthy breakfast. Right, exactly. And it still tastes just as good. How they both taste great, but one is, <laughs> one is, one one is, is very good. cancer every single day, and I love it. I love the cancer. Give it to me. Give it to me. Uh, speaking of Russians, uh, our, our dearly departed Russian uh, has, uh, has contracted the mumps, it sounds like. Oh, my God. Did you hear about that? Uh, he's sidelined with a, some kind of a virus, and they're not saying what Brutal. it is. And listen, I'm putting on my speculation cap. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on the Fear the Fin cast. I'm calling it the mumps, kids. Yeah, give it, give it uh, what's gone on. Yeah, we, we, send, we send the poor kid up there for two weeks. Boom, mumps. Enjoy. Yeah. Uh, Got to feel for the kid. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, let's do a little awards talk. Uh, I saw multiple, and I assume this is just because in Ottawa there's nothing else to do other than cry about Eric Carlson not getting the Norris, but uh, I saw multiple people uh, legitimately, maybe even earnestly, talking about uh, Eric Carlson being a Norris candidate this year. And I guess that's just because they still have to write in three candidates because yeah, they mean, do have to. He is up. going to get nominated. Um, I think it'll probably end up being him, Burns, and Weber nominated. The only Just reason, because, right? Because, because Weber the, had a great fifteen right. games in Montreal, and people are going to think that he's the same. Um, I I think it's it's Burns' award to lose. Uh, I would I would wonder. Oh, is there a chance that there could be Burns fatigue, where it's like, oh, he's been so good all season, we're not going to give him the award. I I don't think so. I think. Can you imagine that being an argument? That's how I mean, that's how award voting it's been, works. It's been a, it's happened in previous years. Awards fatigue is a real thing where they're like, all right, we're just tired of giving the award to the same guy. Different sport, but Derek Rose won the MVP in the NBA because everyone was tired of giving it. Right. To but the difference is that that happened over like several years of giving an award. No, exactly. It's like a single season thing where people. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think single season burns fatigue is a thing. Look, he's just having like defenseman to the top ten in scoring. Like he's he's having a what we've a year like we've seen from Carlson, but he's you know he's doing it in a way we haven't seen. You know, maybe maybe they split the vote. Maybe some traditionalists think, oh well, we could have, you know. There could only be one offensive defenseman, which, like, you know, whatever. Um, I think is this like a Harry Potter shocked. thing. There could only be one, so I'd they have to like shocked. fight to the depth. I'd be shocked if uh, if Eric Carlson won the award and Brent Burns did not. I'd be shocked. It, it does seem, and I I don't know what the reasoning for this is that uh, even like the traditional media types really don't care for Eric Carlson in a way that they seem to like Brent Burns, and I don't know Very what the odd. reason is. I don't uh, know well, it. I think I I think I know. Okay. Once what? Canadian, Swedish, like. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I sometimes I think that Eric Carlson is Canadian. And also, Burns playing on the West Coast. He's not subject. I don't think he's subject to the same nightly scrutiny that Eric Carlson is playing. Well, that's the thing. People just see Brent Burns' point totals. They don't actually have to watch him play. It's like, wow, he's so good. It's like, oh, how does he play? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who cares? Right. And they, none of them watched how bad he was, um, like two years ago, because he was pretty bad at defense and stuff. Like, now he's, like, pretty acceptable at defense. Like, he's like, ah, he plays some defense. Like, two years ago, when this was first happening, it was like, uh, it was an experience, man. It happened out there. There was some, there was some, there was some stuff. He's, he's improved a lot defensively. Last year, he could have gotten the most improved player award as far as defense, and this year, he's just good. 
You know, he's just yeah, no, this year he's up. this year he's level and maintained, which right. was a question after last year. It was like, okay, he's he improved so drastically. Is this the next step? Uh, and I think it's also part of it is just, you know, getting back into the routine, so to speak, and playing the position again. Like it's probably tough adjusting from playing forward for a year and a half to back to playing defense. And when you weren't, you know, when you were still working on your on the defensive side of the game for those couple of years, for those when you were playing defense. Um, you know, it's definitely an adjustment. Um, man, remembering now is a thing of, you know, and I, at the time I was like, maybe he should stay forward. I don't know. He's very good as a right winger. Um, I think, I think something to remember is that the team was constructed in such a way that it made sense for him to stay at forward. And now it makes sense because it's constructed in such a way that he can't go to forward because the team needs him as a defender. So I think. That's something to keep. No, in mind. It's, it's never going to happen again. And I was just, you know, I he's fine on defense. He's going to win the Norris Trophy this year. Like you're, we're, maybe maybe when he does win the Norris Trophy, we'll write a satirical like. Actually, he should have stayed at right wing. Award. Oh man, I'm, I'm really glad I wasn't writing for the site at the time when I was complaining about when they switched him to switched him to defender. That's really good news. <laughs> well, they, you weren't writing history. for the site in 2014, 15, because that's when they did uh, it. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess I was. Yeah, I don't think I actually wrote anything about it, though. Because our, our pre- previous le- editorial leadership was banging the drum pretty hard that he should stay at forward. And I, he was making good, I, rightfully so. Like, he I think they were right. It's just that now it's right, right. That's true. Now yeah. it's like, oh, he's doing the scoring he did as a forward, but on defense. And right. some of, and that's even been written about a little bit lately is how, how much, like, the, like, playing with Joe Thornton and, like, like activating, like, a the offensive part of his brain, so to speak. Like he's, he's maintained those same instincts playing defense. He's just now, you know, I, and I, I think he, he's always had the skill set to be able to pull this off. He's such a good skater that like, you know, he could get in trouble and he could get out of it uh, just by, you know, just by using his speed and his skating ability. Um, and he, did un- it he does it all. He does it all the time. There were, there were, there were moments last night where they got caught in a, caught in a rush and he's able to, where Paul Martin is able to just kind of, shield a guy for just long enough where Brent right. Burns is able to skate back in and then yeah, exactly. neutralize an offensive rush. Exactly, that's, yeah. That's style, and it's amazing. And, and it looks, Martin and it is looks a great better. stylistic fit for him. Right. Uh, if Burns wins the Norris, he definitely will should thank Paul Martin because I think that's brought out the best in him. And, you know, that, that's looking more and with each it, – it looked like it from the beginning, but with each game that's looking – even with Martin's age, that's looking like an inspired signing yep. uh, because of how well they've meshed together. Yep. Uh, I dropped, if there are p- those of you that are in the, the group chat, I dropped the, the defender scoring race chart from Hockey Viz in there. And uh, that's a, a cool chart because it has both goals, primary assists, and uh, secondary assists in there. And uh, by overall points, uh, Brent Burns is leading, obviously. But if you look just at primary points, which is you know a more true indicator of an actual offensive talent, Brent Burns is leading by about a bajillion. Among defensemen? Uh, yeah, here and Marcus, I put it in our chat as well. But yeah, it's like um, it's 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 just legitimately wow. Not yeah, no, he is. It's, <laughs> it's it's so it's so dominant. Uh, I I honestly don't know if there's been a season where a defender has led the the league by this much since uh, since Bobby Orr. 
Uh, yeah, that'd be so, and I think that'd be something to look into and something to to look back in the archives. He's, because to me, like when you're looking at, and this is someone first to come from a baseball background where you're judging a guy based on era, right? That would be something that would be interesting to look at where you're talking about, hey, how dominant is this season compared to the era that he's playing? Looking at primary points percentage, you know, right? Exactly. Because I Carlson, I don't want to. I'm not, I'd have to look at Carlson's numbers. I think he had a good amount of primary points the last couple of years, but he definitely benefited from some secondaries. But I don't, you know, secondaries aren't, I don't think, I think they get a bit of a bad rap. They're clearly not as, as desirable or as good as um, primary assists. But, you know, I mean, a, a player like Carlson or a player like Joe Thornton, I think the secondaries are more of a, for players like that, and maybe this is selective bias. I think they're more of a reflection of the player's offensive ability than in other. Like if a player who doesn't get a lot of points picks up a lot of secondaries, you worry. But if Eric, when Eric Carlson and Joe Thornton do, you're like, okay, like that. They're. I think the thing is, is that those guys also get so many primary points. Exactly. You don't have to worry exactly. about the. Uh, you're not worried about those being noises. I think. Wow, Duncan Keith got a lot of secondary assists, huh? Yeah. Well, turns out that he's not that good anymore. He's a yeah, thousand years old. So, yeah. And the pri- yeah, he's Burns has more primary points than some defensemen have points. Like, yeah, he's really good. Like, he's got more primary points than most of the defensemen have points on this list. Like, yeah. Honestly, there's probably a better case for Victor Hedman to be nominated for the Norris Trophy than than Shea Weber. Oh, absolutely, but it won't happen because uh, the Lightning. Shea Weber had a great games. Well, that too. Right, because the Lightning aren't making the playoffs, are they? No. So that's why it's not happening. And that helped. Well, that didn't hold Carlson back. So Carlson was also otherworldly good. You have to be otherworldly good, and your headman's just very, very, very good. right. And Shea Weber's making the playoffs, or whatever. The Canadians are making the playoffs. I mean, the Canadians are going to win the division, right? So, uh, or pretty close. So they're currently in the division lead, although they have two games in hand. Can you believe that Ottawa might actually win that division? That's uh, what a time to be alive. Yeah, they no, were- kind of kind of crazy given Montreal's hot start and how they won the PK Subban trade after you know twelve games. Um, which you know, yeah, no, Ottawa. I think Ottawa's going to pass them. It's that Burroughs trade that really sparked them. Yeah, which <laughs> Tommy Wingles, man. Uh, yeah. But Tommy Wingo's must have been what did it. Yeah, the Senators have been playing very well. They're, they've won five in a row. Them and the Flames, the two two teams that made a trade with each other in the trade deadline are the hottest teams in the league. Meanwhile, the Devils have lost nine games in a row. Uh, Tommy Wingo's, by the way, has not not really caught fire with the uh, with the Ottawa Senators, if you can believe it. He's, he uh, scored actually, in his first game. Has he scored since? He has, but he's actually been worse since he joined the Senators in scoring. He's a, a .15 a game player, point a game player. Yeah, he was .22 points a game with the with the Sharks. He well, was shooting eleven point nine percent with the Sharks. Uh, now he's at like six, six. three point eight percent. Oh my god! Sun. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> hey guys, remember when I said he wasn't very good? Yeah, it's good. He's not very good. So that's going to turn out to be a real, real, real steal for the Sharks. Yeah, so, for sure. Sort of. What a what a weird trade. Uh, I don't even want to know what Matt Nieto is doing right now. <clears throat> I'm looking. You might you might as well. I know. Uh, it's. Uh, he's got. Oh my God! He's got seven points in twenty eight games. Good for him. 
shooting 9.3%. Uh, 16 minutes a night. Good for him. Reestablishing that, uh, that, that, that value out there. So taking the same number of shots per game. So there you have it. Right. Uh, all right. So yeah. So sharks, predators, one o'clock tomorrow. Then they got stars on Sunday. This is a really good opportunity. Let's talk about where the sharks are in the standing real quick uh, before we wrap it up. The sharks have a good. This is a good opportunity on this home stand for the sharks to kind of wrap up the division, which I think that they're in a pretty good position to do, especially since the Ducks and Oilers seem to have no interest in actually like you know doing anything. Um, yeah, other than maintaining their their current spot. Yeah, um, which the Flames are perfectly happy to uh, to to uh, upend. It seems yeah, uh, the Flames yeah. have now won. I believe what is that seven in a row last after last night? I believe it is. Yeah. Um, so the the Sharks now are at uh, forty nineteen and seven of eighty seven points. That's sixty six games played. The Ducks have sixty seven games played, or thirty five twenty two and ten. Oilers, 66 games played, 35, 23, and 8. That's 78 points. And the Flames have played 67 games, 37, 26, and 4. And I would be remiss if I didn't note that the Kings have only 70 points and are 32, 28, and 6. And uh, yeah. it gets sweeter every time I There's, say there, they, Flames have, The Blues have a game in hand, but uh, Kings are a game only a game out of the wild card. Just because neither the Kings, neither, neither the Kings nor the Blues would like to make the playoffs, right? Very much. Right. Uh, but unlike the the Blues, who are saying we don't want to make the playoffs, the Kings are like, mm, we, we want to make the playoffs. We don't like to. We don't want to make the. We don't want to make the playoffs at all. But they don't want to tell their fans that they don't want to make the playoffs. Um, Flames playing very very well. Uh, I I think the ideal, the ideal for I think the, the ideal if if you're the minds in the NHL marketing department in the league office. You want Anaheim to slip to four, and you want Calgary to move to three. You want that Calgary Edmonton first round match. You want a battle oh, of Alberta and a battle of so California. Hard. Oh, that is just yeah, that's the dream. And that'd be very, that'd be a lot of fun. The Sharks have you know struggled a little bit with the Ducks this year, but that was so long ago and so early. Uh, that'd be a, that'd be a very fun first round if it shakes out like that. And the way the Flames are playing, you can't discount it entirely. Um, and something to keep in mind too: the Flames have more regulation and over, or they have more wins, excuse me, than the the Ducks and the Oilers. I got to look up row, um, bro, and see and see who's got the more regulation and overtime wins. Last check, they had the tiebreaker there too. So it's looking like it could come down to, um, you know, a, a tie like that. And they have if they have more regulation and overtime wins, they're going to have the edge. Yeah, they have thirty. They have the second most regulation and overtime wins in the division. So. Any tiebreaker with the Ducks or the or the Oilers, as of right now, uh, if they play even games, they're going to have the tiebreaker over. It's also worth noting that the Flames have better possession numbers than the than the Ducks. Not better than the Oilers. Um, I think that's right. still pretty close. But uh, the Flames, you could argue, are, are – I wouldn't say they're necessarily a better team than the Ducks, but it's close. We're getting, yeah. we're getting close to that time. Um, the Really, the thing that's held them back all year is goaltending because they have just not been good in that realm at all. Yeah. Uh, Brian Elliott's been terrible. Chad Johnson, well, is terrible, not has been terrible. I think the difference is that Brian Elliott is okay, um, whereas Chad Yeah, they didn't expect this from Brian Elliott, and they didn't expect Chad Johnson to play as well as he did earlier in the year. But that arguably kept them afloat and kept them within striking distance. So if they did – they caught fire, so to speak. Boo. Um, um, you know, 
know, and that they they won eight games in a row right now. They're they're the hottest team. I'm I'm scared. I don't want them anywhere near the four seed in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, right now, you'd rather play the Ducks than the Oil or than the Flames. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. Would you rather uh, play the Ducks than the Flames? No. Yeah, I'd rather I, I'd rather play the Ducks than the Flames. I'd I'd uh, I'd I'd rather. I don't know. I'd rather play the Flames than the Ducks because I don't believe in Brian Elliott. I'd rather take my chances against a crappy goalie. That's true. They did, have, and they had success against him last year. But yeah, I uh, plus uh, B. I, I I don't know. I, I guess for me also, there's the that when I go into the playoffs, I I take a look at the embarrassing loss index. It's like, all right, who would it be more embarrassing to lose? Way more embarrassing to lose to the Flames than the Ducks. I don't know. It's tough. I live in Southern California, so I'd have to actually hear hear it from Ducks. You'd, you'd rescind into your. You'd be like the be like the the GIF of Homer Simpson. Yeah, um, right into the. Into just the like, uh, well, it's gone. Uh, you know, I. It's not like that. Being said, you know, there aren't any actual Ducks fans. Like they're just like you know they. They're not real, you know. So yeah. uh, to go back to our primary point thing with uh, defenders over the past uh, since 2014-15, um, that's uh, Burns' first year as a defender, right? Is that right? Or is it 2015-16? 14-15 was his first year back on the blue line after playing. Right. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, since then, Burns leads the and leads defenders in primary points per sixty, one point five two. Wow. Uh, the next closest is Carlson with one point two six. That's how big the gap is. That's enormous. I mean, it's a quarter point per sixty minutes. It's not. It's not little. And then you know, I mean, he's in good company here. It's like Burns, Carlson, Shattenkirk. Goss Despair. Goss Despair, by the way, who, you know, is getting benched half the time this year yeah. by his idiot coach. Victor Hedman, Roman Yossi, John Klingberg, John Carlson. Anyway, these are good players. Yeah. So, um, and points per 60 minutes. This is at all strength, by the way, is at 2.16. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's, he's a good hockey player, that Bird he's, Bird. <clears throat> he's good. He is very good at the hockey. Uh, anywho. The Sharks really need to get to the conference finals for them not to lose to an embarrassing opponent is really where, where we're at right now because they cannot lose to any of these specific teams and uh, leave with their with their heads held high in the in the postseason. Yeah, I think that's probably fair to say. So great, it was better last year when it wouldn't have been embarrassing if they lost in the first round. Yeah. Now it's now it's it's going back to the here we go the weight of expectations. Have yeah, come everyone back. everyone will forget that they made the conference finals last year. Yep, it's like all right, it's like all right, yep, bad, same same old shit where we're expected to do stuff again. Yeah. Uh, all right, if anybody has any questions, now is the time because we're running out of stuff to talk about, and existential dread is beginning to shift back in. It's it's time for the playoffs. Oh. <sighs> Remember the regular season? So far, either on Twitter or uh... that's a good question. Right, let me check Twitter. Um, let's see. <laughs> there are people. Uh, there are people who want to know why Brett Burns keeps wearing terrible suits. Uh, did you see the picture of his terrible suit? From I last did. Night? Yes, I did. I, I very much enjoyed it. No, you didn't. Shut up. I enjoyed the suit. I enjoy his bad suits. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, as long as you you know it's terrible. Uh, there's somebody who wants us to project how many uh, points the uh, Sharks are going to get. Do you want to throw out a guess? All right, so they got 17 games left. Uh, I think they're going to go 10-7 and seven in some fashion. 
uh, let's say they go 10, 5, and 2, that gives Ooh. them 109 points. Uh, okay. Wow. Um, I'm going to say probably around, well, let's see. I, I, I'm thinking if Dell starts a bunch of games, I mean, he's better than Jones, right? So no, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking probably around 100, 100 and, 108 points. Okay. That's what I'm so going you, with. If you think they win 10 of 17 games. Yeah. That's what I think. That's my gut. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, I've got nothing for why Brent Burns wears terrible suits. I just assume. I think he just he likes the style. He wants to. He thinks it's fun. He, well, he has terrible fat. He has terrible taste. It, it fits with his shtick. It fits with his kitsch, keech, niche, whatever. Uh, Why wow, you just combined six words? Nice. Yeah. I, know. Um, yeah, I, know. I don't. I think that you're giving Brent Burns too much credit, and that you think he's doing it on purpose. I don't think he knows. No, I think that's just his. I don't think he might not know it's bad, but that's just. His oh, okay, right. It does fit with his style. I agree. Okay, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. He doesn't know it's bad. It, yeah. And we know what he eats I'm sure on his, his teammates tell him, but. Well, right, right. <laughs> Come on. Oh, who, wanted, who, wanted, who on the Sharks has the best uh, sense of fashion? I bet Yannick Hansen probably dresses nice. Oh, man, that's tough. I haven't. I haven't There's seen so many guys on the Canucks that dress nicely, which I know because I follow six or seven Canucks fans that just. Uh, They're like, wow, these guys dress great. <laughs> Too bad they don't win anything, but man, they look good in suits. Yeah, they know how, they know how to rock a, rock a three, please. <laughs> Uh, well, that's something uh, some some guys in San Jose could uh, could could learn a thing or two about. All right, these guys do not dress very well in my in my limited experience. It's <laughs> it starts yeah. at the top. Patrick Marlowe dresses nice. That's that's probably because of his wife, though, because I assume yes. that if it was up to Patrick Marlowe, he'd show up in sweatpants. And I mean, a, you and you saw how he you've seen how he's dressed in those rookie photo shoots, right? It's uh, well, you know, you know where he's from. All right, at the yeah, time, Saskatchewan, yes, sir. He didn't know any better, all right? Listen. Yeah. I'll cut him some slack. I didn't know how to dress when I was 17 either. That's that's fine. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Do, do, do. Where's the chat window? Oh, my God. I just got lost on the internet. Somebody help me. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, okay. Here we go. No one, no one in the chat. We've got one question. We had, do we have a, a – does Dell have a ceiling high enough to be a starter? I think probably yes. Um, I don't – I think based on his AHL numbers that uh, that he certainly has the ability to do so. Um, I you know I think the NHL sample size is way too small for for me to say that with any confidence. Yeah. But based on the AHL numbers, I think that he at least you know deserves will deserve a longer look at a, as a backup somewhere, um, whether that's in San Jose or elsewhere. I mean, if he's only going to get you know fifteen games a year, I think it's in his best interest to try to go somewhere else. Yeah, he's. I. I don't. I. I hate trying to project goalies because I'm. I. It's so. It's so <laughs> I also hate doing so it. Yes. But looking at his his numbers project out to him being an NHL goalie. Um, I think he could definitely handle a higher workload. I think. You know, I'd say he probably. This is just my amateur opinion. I'd say he probably projects out to a. Uh, a. Um, Mid level. You know, maybe mid to low level starter, but probably like tweener, ideal. Probably, probably an ideal platoon guy. You yeah. know, plays plays. You know, 30, 30, anywhere from thirty to fifty games with another goalie. Not a you know, not a sixty game a year starter. Um, but you know what you can you know you can get it done with him in today's NHL for sure. Yeah, right. That that would be my take as well. Uh, okay, so yeah, we'll uh, be back and do maybe another one of these sometime early next week or mid next week. Who knows? Uh, 
Until then, you can follow Marcus on Twitter at Marcus P. White. You can follow us, uh, the Fear the Fin accounts, at Fear the Fin. I'm at Jake Sundstrom on Twitter. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or rewatch it in its entirety on YouTube if that's your, uh, whatever, ledger domain. Uh, all right, guys, people, thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys next time.